<clears throat> On this, I uh, forgot my pointer, uh, Greg. Want it. I don't know why I've got to get over that. Um, this is a whole new ball game, folks, and I like the, I really like the idea. Can you all read that? Mm -hmm. Oh. Okay, we're, we're, that's where we're going to start is Philippians chapter 3. And let's go ahead and let's begin while he's getting my pointer and, and then before he moves. And, and I do have um, extra copies of that uh, chart if anyone wants one. Uh, well, you're welcome to those. If you can't read it, thank you, Greg. Um, <clears throat> in Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 7. Well, I don't have it pointed out here, so I'm going to have to look it up this way. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, and let me begin with verse 7, because that's, this, is the, this is the text we're shooting from. <clears throat> and we're talking here, in this verse, establishing that Paul is able to make distinctions. 37 says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things, those things that were to his advantage, because he was born into them, he was born into the right for them. But he says, those are not the things that establish your values in life that take you anywhere. I have counted those <coughs> I have counted those things as loss. It's not going through. For the sake of Christ. And that's a tough thing for any of us to get a hold of that sometimes we get caught up in what it is that we're born into. Now that's an advantage to us. Paul is saying that we have to relook at our values. Because what you hold as a value is what it is that enables you to make the right decisions in life. And then in verse 8, he talks about the value of values. That puts everything into its proper perspective. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of their surpassing value the value that is above all other values. The value above any way or way of life that you were born into. Something that surpasses that. The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And he said, I've been able to do that to the point where I have suffered the loss of all things to gain Christ. I count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Folks, that's getting a handle on the values of life. So we're pausing here with verse 8 to get a better handle on who Jesus was. Who is this Jesus that Paul said surpasses the knowledge of whom 
surpasses all other knowledge. And it frankly is where so many folks have a problem. Now last week we talked about three time frames. So when somebody asks you about Jesus, we need to talk to them, you know, perhaps ask them about well, what time frame are you talking about? Because there are three time frames. They're mentioned up there across the top. <clears throat> I don't know how long this... Let's see how far back I can go. Oh, it's still holding fine, isn't it? Okay, notice right here in John 16, 28, I came forth from the Father, or out of the Father, and am, am come into the world. And I leave the world and go to the Father. So there, there are three time frames, and then we've identified them here. Number one, His origin. I came forth out of the Father or from the Father. Two, His mission. Who was He when He was here? And come into the world again. And thirdly, His destiny. As to, I go back to the Father again. So we have three time frames. Who can identify the three time frames now? You can see it if you can't remember it. What are they? The past, the past, the present, the future. That is, from that time, the future would be in our present now. Well, you're catching on. See, he was one thing. We don't know much about Jesus prior who he was prior to his John 3.16. God sent his only begotten son. We don't know much about Jesus in the past except that all things were created not by him, but through him. Now some of your Bible verses, some of your Bible translations say by him, but that's not accurate. It should be through him. Jesus was never the creator. Who was the creator? The Father, God the Father was the Creator. Jesus was the one that gave Him purpose for the creation. So now, once we understand that, we understand why it is we're all here. And when you see that tree, that palm tree, I can see it through the window out there. There's a little breeze out there today, eh? Yeah, a little breeze. Uh, when you see that palm tree, you know that that palm tree, God had in mind. And that was done through Jesus. And we ought to remember that everything we see that has been created and is in the natural law of procreation has been designed by the Father and has been brought into, be, be, brought into being because of Christ Jesus. And that He holds all of the molecular structure together by the word of His power. If he just blinked his left eye, everything would just disintegrate. Everything, all the molecules of the universe, it says, are held together. That's Colossians 1. All things are held together by the word of his power. Talking about the molecular structure of the universe. So we better be thankful because that's what Christ is doing. 
He's upholding all things and holding everything together by the Word of His power. His Word. His Word. Now, let's, let's keep the universe together. Let's be thankful for what it is. But let's remember why it is brought into being. And it came into being because of Jesus Christ and for His sake. And we need to understand that. We need to understand who Jesus is. First of all, He came forth from the Father. And we discussed Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. Remember last week, we discussed the idea as is said in, that, in this verse, Philippians 2.6, that He put aside His identity with God to become like whom? Man. Man. Become like us. Became, so He could become as one of us. One of us in every way. And His mission, He has come into the world. I might say back over here, the discussion of the doctrine of the Trinity is not about the time frame prior to His birth. And so we're, we're discounting. Anyone ever hear of the Trinity? Ever hear that? Anybody wants an easy, easy thousand? Just find it for anywhere in the Bible. The reason it's not there is because the idea is not there. And if you've gone to a church where they've talked about the Trinity and some of our songs... The Blessed Trinity, Holy, 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 you know, we sing that song. That's not Bible. You know, I, I don't mind singing some of these songs because most of them are put together by Calvinist people. And some of them have a general message that is very appropriate, but a lot of their details are just as wrong as they can be. And that's one of the songs. So I don't like to sing Holy, Holy, Holy if we don't have to. But I believe God is holy, but the song is Trinitarian. We don't buy that. Because that tells you that when He was here, He was God. And that's wrong. He, he left His identity with God and became as one of us to accomplish certain things. And now, we're going to begin looking at those over here from the book of Hebrews. We have seven. I expect you to memorize those. <laughs> backwards and forwards, and from the middle up. Alright? From the book of Hebrews, what did he accomplish as a man? We have, to, we have to have an idea of what he accomplished as a man because when it says we have the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, we have to know what it is about Jesus that is worth knowing. And these are the seven things that Hebrews tells us, and the only book that collects them entirely like this, the seven things that tell us about what it was that Jesus came to do. What, is his, what did He accomplish as a man while He was here in the days of His flesh? So let's read some of these verses real quick. Number one, the adequate sacrifice for all sin. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. <clears throat> and you can, I don't know whether, are you going to pull that up or not? If you don't, that's fine, I'll read it. Okay, uh, okay so anyway, you can look it up. Hebrews chapter 6, uh, chapter 2, and verse 6. <clears throat> <clears throat> But one has testified somewhere saying, What is man? 
that you remember Him, or the Son of Man, that you are concerned about Him. You have made Him for a little while. So, he's talking here about the Son of Man, and who might He be referring to? Jesus. He's talking about our Lord, Jesus Christ. You have made Him for a little while. What's the key phrase there, folks? For a little while. See, there's a difference being made between where He was before He came and who He was while He was here. When He came to the manger, He was not God. He was whom? He was man. And so many of our songs at Christmas time talk about Jesus being God. Folks, that's not true. And if it were true, He would then become worth nothing to any of us. And we ought to reject Him. So in Hebrews 2, and verse 6, or verse 7, you made Him for a little while. The key operative term there is for a little while. So there is a difference between who He was before He came who He was going to be after He left, and who He was while He was here. Don't ever confuse His past with His future, and His future and past with His present, that is, while He was here. You have crowned Him, in verse 7, with glory and honor, and have appointed Him over the works of your hands. So everything that Jesus had and did was by God's appointment. God delegated to Him certain functions. You have put all things in subjection under His feet. That shows you then clearly that they are not equals. The Father and the Son are not equals. Who puts something under His Son. The Father does and makes all things subject under His feet. But who did that? The Father did. For in subjecting all things to Him, He left nothing that is not subject to Him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to Him. So you notice the different time frames all built into that passage. Now there is, there's the qualification that all things were done by God's appointment to Jesus. That qualifies Him for doing whatever it is that God had in mind for Him to do. We're going to go back to the chart here if we can. Well, we need, we, need to see, we need to read one more verse. Verse 9. But we do see Him who was made for... What's the operative language here again? For a little while. Lower than the angels. So someone who came... You know, we, we read John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begot... His only whom? begotten. You know, that's kind of run, run over, isn't it? 
suggests Jesus was begotten somewhere in his past that we don't we do not understand. It doesn't tell it, it doesn't explain that to us. But somewhere, as the host of heaven were all created, Jesus was a created being as well. We must not forget that. So, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, not to become His Son, but He, he gave one who had become His Son. That is who He sent. That's why it is so meaningful. We do see Him who was made for a little while lower than the angels. Namely, Jesus. So now He leave, takes a remove all doubt from our mind that He's talking here about Jesus, the one who was made lower than the angels for a little while, for a time frame, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. So, the adequate sacrifice for all sin He accomplished as a man because as He lived here in the days of His flesh for a little while, He was lower than the angels, but He withstood the suffering imposed upon Him by potential death and remained true and He became a legitimate sacrifice for all people. He became a ransom for all, Jew and Gentile alike. Number two, He accomplished as a man then the adequate sacrifice for all sin by God's appointment. Number two, He enabled us to be as He was, a brother of the sanctified. Chapter 2 and verse 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, who might that be referring to? Children. You and me. Are we in flesh and blood? Yes. Since therefore, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. You think about that. Children, they share. Whoops. I need to go back to the chart. Did you all see that? Alright. Did I, did I read verse 14? Mm -hmm. Okay. Then, and, and so He enabled us to be as He was, and we'll read later here, that uh, uh, He called us brothers, all sanctified by His Word. Thirdly, in, in the same chapter, he renders Satan powerless. He did that, folks, as a man. Look at what he's doing as a man, as specifically described in the book of Hebrews. He became as one of us. 
identified as one of us. I should say verse 11 up here, in this one here. He is not ashamed to call us brethren because He is one of us. You might make it, you don't have a pen, do you? We, there's a little correction there I need to make. That should be verse 11 on this chart. <clears throat> for both He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, which reason He is not ashamed to call them brethren. That's the strength of the argument there, folks, is that He had become just like we are. So He's brethren with us because we've all been made by God. We're all in His image. And then, uh, and then our text down here, He renders Satan powerless as a man. As a man, He renders him powerless. So if He was something other than man, then Satan has not lost any power. That's verse 14. We read that already. Now let's go down to number 4. He, he, acquired, he acquired perfection. Look at Hebrews 2 and verse 9. For the suffering, and I'm going to skip here a little bit, for uh, be, because of the suffering of death and crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for every man. And, and then back to the chart. I, I can't quite keep up with Greg here. We're learning. Alright. Um, and verse 10 for it was fitting for Him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. So what is it that qualified Jesus to do what He did is that He qualified. He, he was made perfect. Becoming becoming the author of our salvation as one of us because He became perfect. What did not come perfect? You think about that. Jesus was not perfect. He was not perfect until what? He stood the test. You're not perfect until you stand the test. If you stand the test, you're perfect. All human beings are capable of perfection. What's the problem? We fail the various tests that come our way or that we expose ourselves to. And when we do that, then we are less than perfect and it's like a cup. You know what a cup is? You know drink coffee out of? You really with me now? You don't need a cup of coffee? So we, we have a cup of coffee and we drop that cup and it breaks. And then we, so it's no longer perfect. Now, in its perfect use, that means that it was doing what it was intended to do. What was a coffee cup intended to do? Hold coffee. Corey? You got brains. <laughs> yeah, it was in, so if it's holding coffee, it's perfect. Perfect means doing what you were intended to do. That's all. Now, if you break it, what has happened? 
It won't hold coffee. It's imperfect. It's imperfect. So if you can put it back together again and glue it so that it's watertight and all, now it's usable again as a coffee cup, and I have a cup, a cup or two like that. Now they've been mended, so what are they now? They're doing what they intended to do, so they're perfect cups. See, we, we have implied, we have been mysticized into thinking that there's some special definition for perfection that isn't biblical. We can all do what it is we were intended to do. We fail to do what we are intended to do. We become imperfect, but we can all be patched, mended, and become perfect again, doing what it is we were intended to do. There's no magic to that. How many of you were perfect yesterday? You should all raise your hand. Did you get broken yesterday? No, you didn't. You were perfect yesterday. You did what you were intended to do. Were you intended to wash the dishes? Yeah, you were intended to wash the dishes. Did you wash your car? Yeah, I was intended to wash my car. Were you nice? Pleasant? Thoughtful? Kind? Merciful? Yeah, I was all of those. Well, so yesterday you were perfect. Why do we try to take a perfection and devise a definition for it which we can imply, apply to ourselves, which in itself makes that definition wrong? If you behaved yourself yesterday, and you had the right value system yesterday, and you had the right priorities yesterday, you were perfect. for yesterday. Now we're not talking about today. Today's a new day. But I would suggest that most of you were as perfect as any human being could be yesterday. So what we have done, we have allowed ourselves to be put on a guilt trip that somehow we feel masochistic, that there's something to be valued about accepting the fact that we're no good and we're just depraved and that we're just a worm and that we can't do what God intended us to do on a regular basis. Folks, that's not true. I don't look at humanity like that. I see human beings as bright, intelligent, wanting to do the right thing, and I know that sometimes we all slip and fall. We get broken, but we have to be patched up. We have to be fixed. And that, that isn't the ruination of life. We get put back together again. And we start holding our coffee. <laughs> you know, we're the cup that's been repaired. What's wrong with that? I think that's the way God looks at man. And that when Jesus came, He came into that scenario as one of us. I think it elevates our view of Jesus Christ when we understand that He became as one of us and he was, he was perfected. Didn't come that way because He hadn't been tested. Perfection comes as a result of what you do with your testings.
And when you're tested and you fail, you get up, you go out to get tested again. And the next time you're tested, you make it. For that test, you're perfect. Jesus accomplished perfection in every test. And that makes Him unique. But you see, you and I can identify with that because sometimes we don't. But He did. That's the difference. And that's because, as He said, He had knowledge of His past. And we don't. We've got to quit.